I'm Brian Myers. I'm Mike Ritalik. I'm Becky Haddad. And this is Owl Pellets, a podcast featuring tips for ag teachers. We are your agricultural education resource across the web, sharing research-based tips and tackling the tough questions facing agriculture teachers every day. Hey, Owl Pellets, we've got Becky Haddad, Mike Ritalik, and Brian Myers here by the Owl Pellets. Um, we are excited today, as always, to have a phenomenal guest with us, Gaya Hawk from Kansas State University. Welcome to Owl Pellets. Thank you. I'm going to enjoy this time with you guys. Are you trying to convince us or yourself you're going to enjoy this? It's a little self-talk, but it's a good way to start off the show, right? Blink twice if you're being held hostage. <laughs> We're good. I'm and it's audio only, so they can't tell. So that's okay. <laughs> All right, Gay, why don't you get things started here by telling us a little bit about yourself and what you do there at Wonderful K-State. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks again for having me. Um, I'm an associate professor of agricultural education here at K-State, and it is my alma mater. So it's always fun to be um, back amongst my people and wearing the purple. You guys can't see me, but we always wear purple here, and I've got purple on today. Um, and it's... Uh, I mostly work with the pre-service teachers, those that are training to be ag teachers, but I also um, work with our graduate students and um, enjoy doing the research side of my job, which is why I think I got asked to be on the show today. Excellent. Well, um, you know, Gay, you have, all, have always done phenomenal work. We have enjoyed watching your, your work throughout the years, but today we're going to be talking about something new that Jeremy Falk and Marshall Baker uh, presented at the NACTA conference. We've talked about NACTA on here before, the North American teacher, North American Colleges and Teachers of Agriculture. Woo, get my letters in the right order. Um, so that's the, that's the organization for folks like us to get together to learn and talk about how we teach um, in the collegiate level. And so y'all had, had a, some work on building connections between teachers and experiment stations. So tell us a little bit about what you guys were doing there. Yeah, absolutely. So this um, project was um, a, or is, it's still ongoing, a USDA NEFA funded project. And we were um, tasked with connecting local experiment and research stations in the three states, uh, Kansas, Idaho, and North Carolina, with area and state um, high school agriculture teachers to expose them to what type of research projects are being hosted and completed at those research stations, get to meet with the researchers and kind of remove some barriers between those two entities for mutual benefit for all. So that sounds like exciting work and certainly we always talk a little bit about uh, using our local um, resources. Um, Experiment stations are kind of a land grant phenomenon. Uh, tell us, for those of us that might not know as much about land grants and experiment stations, unpack that a little bit for us and tell us a little bit about what experiment stations are and where we might find those as, as ag teachers. Yes, absolutely. So with the Morrell Act in 1863, the uh, land grant institutions got started, but the Hatch Act came out in 1887 to establish research stations um, throughout the state. And so I'll speak from Kansas perspective. We have research stations 
um, in, in several locations in our state. And we are, you know, in the middle of the U.S., but we have very different topography and geography and climate based on which part of the state you reside. And so luckily they determined early on that, hey, we really need to know what is the rainfall in Parsons, Kansas versus Garden City. And how does that impact the type of crops, livestock, and, and other types of agricultural commodities in those different portions of our state? And so uh, in Kansas, we have these experiment stations located um, scattered among the state um, to better communicate the agricultural um, research being done there to impact the area agricultural producers and consumers rather than just an overall state system. And so uh, these experiment stations um, are connected to extension, but the research scientists in Kansas at least are, are a little bit separated in that they are um, a research scientist. They have the task of completing these research studies in collaboration with people on the main campus and maybe even collaborators in their area that they're um, setting up these field plots and, and running certain types of trials that they're getting questions about from their area, um, you know, people in that area of the state. And so for Kansas, each experiment station might specialize in certain things based on where they're located. And so for instance, in the Western portion of our state where the Ogallala Aquifer is, there's a lot more to do with, um, you know, pivot irrigation and water conservation. And then on the Eastern side of the state, it might be more about um, some cattle producers in terms of um, pest management, fly control, and those types of things. So each state is gonna have their own system and I encourage the listeners to just dive into the extension and um, the research experiment station system in your state as I can't speak to every state, but there's a lot of history there and a lot of um, local needs being met through those stations and you might drive by them or they might be in a town over and you don't even realize all the cool things that are happening there. Excellent. That's a that's a great overview. So now that we have that context, tell us a little bit about uh, your experience through the the grant and the project that uh, you and your co-authors were working on. Yeah. So a few years back, I moved um, back to K Kansas from my previous institution, and I inherited the agri-science fair. And I've already been on um, Al Pellet, so I I am uh, this is my second time. I feel like I'm I've made it now. I've been asked back. So uh, I inherited the AgriScience Fair and there was definitely some room for growth. And luckily I am friends with intelligent people. So Jeremy Falk, who is, uh, is still at the University of Idaho, myself, and then um, Dr. Baker, Marshall Baker was at Oklahoma State. And then he transitioned to North Carolina um, during the process of our grant. But we talked about what are some of the ways that we could collaborate. And this idea came out about removing some barriers between people already doing research and already having expertise and uh, facilities and resources and equipment and the high school agriculture programs in our states. And so we came up with this idea to link these two groups um, through mentorship and training and workshops and financial support 
through this grant project. And so luckily we were successful in getting it funded and we rolled out and we had a really great first year of the trainings where we went to the um, different research and experiment stations in our states, met with the researchers there, made some um, connections and built some relationships. And then we invited the teachers out to, to continue that. And then we invited students to join them. And so we had these layers of training that happened. Then the first year of the rollout was the 1920 year, 1920 academic school year. So in the fall, we were hitting the ground running, things were going real smooth, um, some really cool collaborations. And it might have not been where the student was physically at the location all the time. It might have just been that they now know who that person is they can reach out to and contact. But we did have one that actually did do some research with one of the researchers and expanded on what she was already doing. And then he moved that in and he was able to do his own project for um, competition. We all know what happened in uh, March of 2020. We were able to finish that first cycle of uh, research through um, in Kansas. And I think the other states followed suit with a virtual agri-science fair. And so students that participated in the project were able to share what they learned um, through that. And then last year, we made some modifications um, to further the work. And then this year, we're finishing um, out the grant process. But really, it was making it known that there's these people that exist that like to do research on a daily basis, that they enjoy that, and they like to talk about it. And so getting them in touch with the high school ag teachers, and it's been very reciprocal. Um, in terms of um, the type of um, collaborations that I've heard about. Yeah, can you talk a little bit about the types of research that students have gotten connected with and the things that they've gotten to do because they've been connected with experiment stations? Yeah, absolutely. So the one that I mentioned down in our Parsons location in the southeast portion of our state, they were doing some um, research with different fly control methods and maybe feeding them different types of essential oils and then seeing if that actually impacted some um, the flies on the body. One of the cool things I didn't know that you could do is just you take pictures of your livestock. In this case, it was beef cattle. And then you count how many flies are on there. Like you scan, you like scroll in and you can count and, and do that. So that was a portion of what he was helping with. Another um, researcher out in Hayes, so like what I would call Western Kansas, but people from Western Kansas still probably call Central Kansas. Um, out in Hayes, he just helped them work through how to set up an experiment inside of a greenhouse, like how to do the replications and how to set up the pots. And they were doing, um, I think it was something with like weed control, but the other one that they did at Hayes that was really cool was um, trying to lower stress in uh, cattle being shipped in from Mississippi. And the young man would go out there and walk them and get in the pen and make the cattle walk. I think he did it twice a day for several weeks. And then they, they had um, weighed them before they started and then weighed them after to see if there was any weight loss compared to a control group. So just the facilities and the cattle were already there just the young man taking the time to go out there and work with 
um, the researcher doing this, this work. And then in the southwest portion of the state, it was more of a, um, a collaboration in terms of answering questions on what those students wanted to do. Another cool thing that's came out of this though is like my colleagues here on the main campus at K-State have heard what I'm doing. I asked them to be judges at the event. And so some of the teachers have just been reaching out to research scientists on our main campus to answer questions, zoom in and talk about their research, um, help with reviewing of the methodology before a study starts. So that's been really nice to where I'm no longer the only person on campus that they ask these research questions to when they wanna compete in the agri-science fair, that they've met these others and learned about what they're doing and been able to tap into those resources. So Gay, Gay this is fantastic. And so you guys did this, and, and as you mentioned, there are there's an ag experiment station in every state. Sometimes they call it something different. We call them research education centers here. Sometimes they're called research stations or, or whatever else they've got going on here. But unfortunately, not all of us have a grant project like, like the folks in Kansas, Idaho, and North Carolina. So what, what tips do you have for, for those of us and ag teachers out there about how to build a successful relationship with these researchers that are at these experiment stations, because they're, they're usually not the folks we talk, we call. We're calling the the, the teaching and the extension folks. Mm -hmm. So how how do we first make the connection with with these uh, ex researchers? Absolutely, I would start with finding out where are the research stations in your state. You might have one down the road that you don't even realize that. Oh, that is that's what that is. So I would start there as orienting yourself to what's the, currently going on in your state. And then these are state employees paid by taxpayers. So it is okay for you to contact them and ask them to help or to answer questions, set up a tour and go to the facilities. They love that. And depending on your state and the current situation, there may be some protocols you have to, to adhere to, but take your students out there. We like to talk about our research and what we're doing. And so that would be something to do. Um, think about how you might maximize their time. Like if they're already doing research in a certain area, there might be a way for your student to replicate that at home. And that's benefiting the researcher and your student by them learning. You can also um, try to find ways to, uh, I don't want to say like, what are the funding sources in your area, but they might have some monies available to support certain things or to pay for certain things. Going a little bit further off of a research and experiment is there's lots of chemical and seed companies out there that would be interested in building collaborations. I'll just throw it out. My husband works for one of those big companies and he texted me the other day and said, hey, I have some seed that I'm willing to give out to teachers. Um, can you put that out there? And I go, I'm, I'm going to get way too many questions. So I'm just going to take those things with me to an ag teachers conference and say, hey, here's some bags of seed. If you got students that are interested in setting up some field uh, trials or if they just want to experiment and try to grow a new variety on their own. Um, and then also just internally as ag teachers, sometimes you have to just try something for the first time. You have to put yourself out there. And, and try it once. 
we talk a lot. Dr. Falk came into the state and did a teacher training with my teachers in Kansas about do you do a whole class, um, you know, method where everybody's learning the scientific method and everybody has a research project or everybody's working on the same one with looking at different variables? Or do you pick out a show pony and have that student try it out and, and really showcase what could be done in your, in your chapter, in your local area? There's different programs here in Kansas doing both ways. There's some that have found that the agri-science fair is a way to get students who maybe aren't being met through other traditional competitive events in, in FFA as a way to get them enticed in. And for me, it's really nice because our FFA foundation does support those that compete. It's a very minimal amount in the whole scheme of things, but $50 for a kid just showing up and finishing and presenting is a little bit of an enticement. So maybe um, approaching your state's FFA foundation or others to market this as something that uh, companies with big pockets might want to get involved in sponsoring might be another way to build up some support um, financially to help you and your students do these projects. Well, I think the other thing that you talked about here and alluded to is this idea of just career path exploration, that they could go out there and so many times our high school students, they, they pick a career path based off of what they've had interaction with. So that's why, you know, so many of them want to go be a veterinarian because Fluffy got sick, Dr. So-and-so fixed Fluffy, and now I want to go fix all the Fluffies in the world. And so the idea is if you get them out there and they say, wait, wait, there are people that research with animals, beef cattle, or even, you know, even small animals, those sort of things, or they're doing the different things. It gives them a, a broader spectrum of what's a possible career out there so that they don't end up being, you know, killed by organic chemistry and then trying to figure out what they're going to be. Um, so I think there's a lot of options out there. Or not having to think about how am I going to start a, a vet business or buy into a business when there's all these other ways that you could use similar skill sets and research abilities and critical thinking in a, in a career that somebody else is paying you to do. The other thing that I really like about these conversations are that uh, in a lot of those settings, they're doing cutting edge research. So it's not, some of it's long-term. So if, if they're on a farm, they might be doing a study that uh, a trial that's you know, related to soil quality that's 30 or 40 years old or longer, mm -hmm. but other times you're going to see research that's really cutting edge. So what's the most recent problems in, uh, in, in situations that we're finding ourselves in and, and they're doing that work uh, right um, in your backyard. So I think it's a great opportunity to find out what's happening and, and really bring that into your classroom to find out what, what those most cutting edge things are really happening um, uh, in, in agriculture and in the research world. I think just how well those folks situate that research in bigger problems. I think about even going to a couple of the experiment stations in Oregon and how well, like, yes, we're doing this one experiment, which I think when we do agri-science fair, at least my students were guilty of this and I wasn't always good about bringing this in as far as like, yeah, we did this one experiment, but where does that fit in terms of bigger issues in ag with water use and climate change and all these other things that we, that, that we talk about and we think about 
but because they're researching and they're in it, they're, they're so well equipped to think about what is that big problem that you're helping put the pieces together to solve, which is just a really cool piece of this partnership. Yeah, and just exposing students to the different research methods. I know as, as somebody who is mostly a social science researcher, how they set up replication in a field plot or how they might, um, you know, the different types of feeding trials and how they set those up. It's, it's over my head, some of it, in terms of being able to explain it to a, a teacher well enough for them to help facilitate that with their student. But these researchers are very good about helping um, talk through the methods and the limitations and what they could do. This has been fantastic, Gaya. Thank you so very much. And, and I couldn't get through this because these guys know that I'm the, I'm the history nerd of the group. Most people know may not know that there's actually a close connection between school-based ag ed and the experiment stations, maybe probably more so than some of the colleges, because that's where the congressional schools got started and some of our career and tech areas started in those experiment stations and teaching that happened out there. So it, you all are bringing us back together again uh, to, to some of our roots, to seeing some of these things. And, and I love what you talked about. We probably, all of us probably have an experiment station or a research center or whatever we call it. It's a whole lot closer to us than we probably even know. And you may be people that are, are knowledgeable of our area, but reaching out to those folks to come in. And the other thing was Zoom, zooming in some of those folks into your classrooms to really connect with them. And these are folks that have connections, they have resources, they have ideas that you can bring back with your students to do these things. And so I really hope one of the things, these, all the people listening here, is reach out to the folks in your research centers, experiment stations, and, and connect, whether it's for the agri-science fair project, which I'm a big believer in, but also the other work that, you, that you've got going. So, Gaya, thank you so much for being with us here today. Thank you. Can I, I realized I said the wrong date on the Morrell Act after I said it. So 1862, I just want to make sure I get 18, I get those two because K-State started in 1863 as were the first land grant. Got to throw that out there for everybody listening from those others. And then I do want to put a shout out. There's a really good technical bulletin from SAIR. It's um, the uh, SAIR technical bulletin on how to conduct research on your farm or ranch. SAIR is Sustainable Agricultural Research and Education. And you can request these for free. They send these to you, but it's, it is an excellent resource with graphics in it about how you can do some um, research if you have a land lab or if students or have access to larger pieces of property that you can set up some replications and stuff. So I don't know if you guys have show notes or links or something. We can link it in the show notes. Outstanding. We will do Thank that. You. That's S-A-R-E, I believe out there. Look at those sort of things if you, you get out there, but we will, we will link that out. And again, you hit a topic there. What a crazy idea to use some of our, our land laboratories that we have for doing research and connecting with, with some of our, our university out there. So once again, Gay Hawk from Kansas State University, thank you for being with us here today on Owl Pellets. Thanks for having me. We hope you've enjoyed this episode of Owl Pellets. Check out our website for more information on this topic and to learn more about our guests. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram to stay connected. And be sure to subscribe to our podcast so you'll never miss an episode. For Mike and Becky, this is Brian here by the Owl Pellets saying thank you, and we look forward to seeing you again on another episode of Owl Pellets, Tips for Ag Teachers.